Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. I think Brittany would be very proud of the work that we've accomplished. Someone can say, well, I don't know if I would make the same decision for myself, but I certainly don't want to stand in the way of Brittany or Jennifer Glass or Christy O'Donnell or Elizabeth Walner from having the option that's best for them. Thanks to Brittany's courage, history was made when California passed the End of Life Option Act in 2016. We fought for Brittany, we fought for all the people who want and deserve this option, and we're continuing to work hard for you. Passing the law was only the first step. Now, the really hard work began. Medical aid in dying is now available to terminally ill adults in California as the End of Life Option Act took effect in early June. Compassion and Choices led the strategic year-long campaign to pass the law. In January of this year, the organization initiated its California Access Campaign to ensure all Californians and state health care providers are aware of the option and can access these needed services. Matt Whitaker, California State Director for Compassion and Choices, said, It was monumental for the nation as well because we believe the changes in California will impact health care nationwide. Here with us is Matt Whitaker. Matt, thanks for being with us today on Nurse Talk. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on. Well, thanks, Matt. Uh, For those who might not be familiar with the End of Life Option Act, could you give us a quick overview? Sure. So the End of Life Option Act authorizes medical aid and dying, which is a practice wherein an adult who is mentally capable and terminally ill with a six-month prognosis can request from their physician Um, medication that they could use to abbreviate their dying process should their suffering become unbearable. So now California joined Oregon, Washington, uh, Vermont, and Montana in authorizing that end-of-life option. It's absolutely wonderful. So, Matt, what were and are some of the common myths about the law, and how do you overcome those? A big myth is is just about who this is for, And, and I think a lot of this is because when a piece of legislation is getting debated, different iterations and uh, different concerns are tossed out, especially through uh, reports out of hearings. And so many people um, believe that this law is uh, applicable for someone who doesn't fit the requirements that I outlined, someone who has a six-month prognosis and is terminally ill. So many folks think that, uh, that this might unfairly target people who lack mental capacity, people with Alzheimer's or dementia, or those who have a disability. Um, And having a disability or uh, does not qualify someone for this option. And similarly, if a person lacks the capacity to make these decisions, uh, him or herself, then they're not eligible for this option as well. So the, the law is really a narrow door to try to prevent any type of coercion or abuse Um, And so the the main misconception is just who this is for, and it's for a very particular group of people. It it definitely is. And I work in hospice, Matt, and so this is much needed. Talk about the implementation of the campaign. What we kind of tried to do in California is really learn from the 20 years of experience that we've had in Oregon. And what we've learned is that if you don't do really robust work around implementing these laws, there's a very real danger of the law becoming marginalized and available only to uh, those few people who have the means and the resources to really navigate a very complicated healthcare system. So in the law, you know, there's 
all these different pieces of the process. A person has to see multiple physicians. There's a 15-day waiting period built in. They have to make multiple requests, not only verbally, but in writing. It's a very robust process. And for someone who, uh, for example, has relatively low health literacy or maybe doesn't live in an area where they have a, a great option for primary care, whatever it might be, it becomes really hard to access this law. And what we don't want is for the very people who advocated for this option to be available to not have access to it. So what we've done is we've launched a whole access campaign in California. We've done over 300 public presentations trying to get this information out there about the fact the law exists. And, and more importantly, that if this is something that someone feels they might want to pursue, that they really need to start the process early and they need to ask really good questions of their physician. Uh, and so we did that work. Um, we've been working with health systems across the state as well as large organizations like the California Academy of Family Physicians and the California Hospice and Palliative Care Association to make sure that also clinicians uh, know how to respond to these requests from their patients. Um, and along those lines, we've launched a whole slew of resources uh, in the forms of videos and a new website at endoflifeoption.org that really outline all of those pieces and point people in the right direction. Because for a person who's at the end of their life, the last thing we want is for people to have to um, really run around and, uh, and do things that, that, that they could have gotten in place earlier on. So we're really trying to encourage people to be proactive and to start these conversations early, uh, not only about this end-of-life option, but about all end-of-life options that exist so that, you know, they get it out there and they have a real transparent and clear relationship with their physician, with their family, with their church leaders, whoever's going to be in on this process. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com.